Welcome everybody to a brand new The Slasher Sanitarium. It is episode 8 of Archive 81 and it is the finale. This one is entitled What Lies Beneath. So let's get into this one because it's been a hell of a ride. We start the finale with another old recording. This one is a black and white recording. First of traffic, then of Melody swinging on a swing set. And Jess is with her. She says when she grows up, she wants to be a bird. She wants to fly away and see everything from the sky. Melody is asked what she wants to be, and we cut before we see the answer. We go back to 1994 and see Melody pounding on the door of a room she is locked in at the Mental Institute. Dr. Turner arrives, and Melody asks if he is in on this. Dr. Turner says he knows Samuel. He introduced himself as Alexander Davenport. Dr. Turner got the tapes she sent him, and he knows that Alexander is researching into the Baldog. Melody says Samuel knew everything about her, and it's because Dr. Turner's article. Even though he says it was anonymous, Samuel figured out that it was Melody. Dr. Turner says that he can get Melody out of the city until all of this blows over. She tells him that Samuel took Jess, and she, again, tells Dr. Turner to let her the fuck out. He says there's someone she needs to see first, and he takes her to see Annabelle. Annabelle and Melody embrace each other, and she asks what took her so long, which of course is exactly what she says to Dan in the future. Dr. Turner locks them both into the room, of course. Annabelle has been drawing a ton of faces on the walls, all of them Iris. Melody says that Iris killed somebody, and Annabelle says that they need to get her out then, because she is in the other world. Iris wants to come home, and she wants out tonight, because the ferryman is here, which is the comet. She says the comet opens the door, and Iris will be free. Samuel is going to take her place. So, yeah, a lot going on there. Obviously, we know Annabelle does not leave this place, and she remains there to this day until Dan and Mark talk with her, and she's still there even after that. In present time, Annabelle tells Mark that Melody jumped out the window to get back to the viscer. Dan asks if Dr. Turner is really trying to help her, uh, or if he is part of it. They ask Annabelle why, she's, why she is drawing Melody. Annabelle says that Melody didn't die, she is in the other world, and she wants to return. Annabelle says that Jess left Dan a box of tapes. Jess also didn't die, she actually just became a nun and left for Haiti. Well, that's good-ish, I guess. Dan plays a few of the tapes and they all have an odd noise coming from them. And then he realizes that the tapes are not audio tapes that Jess actually has a shitty Fisher-Price camcorder that records on regular audio tapes, but somehow it is able to record, like, pictures on them? I don't know. I, I'm going to assume that this is a real thing. He then hooks up his that he got off of eBay, and we see the opening recording. All of this time, we see Melody's answer, which is that she wants to grow up happy. 
Dan plays another tape, and we see Melody talk into it. She says her name and that she is of sound mind and is searching for Jess, and that what follows is proof that Samuel is guilty of abduction, child abuse, and a ton more. She says if something happens to her, Samuel is to blame. Well, tough luck, lady, because Samuel's also gone, so... Yeah. And apparently nobody found this tape because Jess had it the entire time. Melody tries to find Jess and hears her call back to her from the sixth floor. She climbs out onto the ledge and Jess lets her inside from the window. But she doesn't want to go because she wants to help. Melody says they're going to kill her and Jess still doesn't 100% believe that. I mean, they've got her pretty well brainwashed. Melody is then like, where's your mother then? Like, where did she go? And Jess was told that she um, would be waiting for her, but, like, she doesn't really know where she is right now. Millie manages to get Jess to go out on the fire escape as John Smith arrives to get her. Melody makes Jess run to the police while John Smith breaks into the room. And then he punches Melody out. Samuel wakes Melody up. She says that their vessel is gone. And Samuel instead is like, that's cool, I got it back up uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Come on over here, lady. Tomorrow seems a little reluctant to be like, sure, you can slit my throat. Uh... But, you know, if she truly believes, then she will be reborn in the other world, I guess. Um, also, like, was it always stated that Tamara could hold a new world inside of her? Because I thought that was the whole, like, selling point on this. Samuel begins a ritual. Everyone there puts on their masks, and we see they are playing the original uh, ritual recording in the background. John Smith pulls Melody forward, and her hand is cut, and she's forced to bleed on the Caligo statue. Samuel then slits Tamara's throat, and we get a return of the White Cloud of Light. This time, Iris appears in the middle of the light. Samuel says he doesn't understand. Like, it's supposed to be Caligo standing there and welcoming him. Jess decided not to leave, and instead has been watching from the stairs, so Melody yells for her to get the fuck out of here. But we do see that she was recording the whole thing, so at least that's a good reason why Dan and Mark are able to see what's going on. Iris, Melody, and Samuel then disappear as the whole building starts to go up in flames. So everyone else is fucked? Like, Melody and Samuel just join Iris and the other world, and everyone else there just burns to death? Was that part of the ritual? <laughs> like, I, I I, guess it was. But, like, I presumably they watched this tape before where it totally shows that everyone that's present there is just there to, like, power the door opening. So they should probably have known that they were going to get killed, but I guess if they were promised that, like, Caligo would help them, that they would be fine. Sure. So Mark breaks it down for us. He says, Iris and the Caligo worshippers do the ritual. Something goes wrong, and the whole place burns down. No bodies are found. So, maybe those people aren't as fucked as, they, as we thought they were, and they're actually over in 
the other world as well. Samuel uh, starts it up again. Getting Melody there, but the same thing happens. The ritual opens a door. Instead of getting Caligo into our world, she instead gets pulled into his world. The second time, Samuel and Melody also get pulled in, and it appears Iris was not able to get out. So, did something go wrong, or is this actually what they're trying to do? Because it seemed as if the plan was to let Caligo in. But we've also seen Caligo has been doing a pretty good job of, like, attempting to get out of TVs in the first place. So, does he really need this uh, ritual to go down? Or is the ritual always intended to be a way for somebody to go into Caligo's world? Like, he's more along the lines of, like, look, like, you can have a sleepover at my place, but I'm not really comfortable going into other people's places, you know, I'm a little bit of a bedwetter, so. Uh, but you can come over to my place, That that's cool. Like, you know, I got PlayStation and popcorn. Come on over. Dan wants to go save Melody. He says that Virgil might have the ability to do it. Mark says this is insane because Virgil could have killed him before, or at least thrown him in jail. And Dan says his father failed when he tried to help, so maybe all of this is leading to him succeeding where his dad couldn't. Virgil meets with Dan, and Dan says there's another tape, which of course Virgil's like, yeah, no there's not. But there is. He has the end of the story. Virgil agrees to see it, and they watch the tape together. Right before they get to the ending, Dan stops it, and he's got some questions. He's, he asks if Virgil knew what was on the tapes, and Virgil says he didn't know, and Dan actually revealed what was on the tapes by when he fixed them. Dan doesn't 100% believe this, but, but Virgil's like, look, dude, like, Samuel told me about what was going on, so I... I knew that Melody was recording him and recording what was going on. So I had a, I had like a 75% of the story. I just needed to see it for myself. Dan asks why it took him 25 years to look into it. Virgil tells him that the tapes were actually missing all of these years and only showed up a little, uh, couple years ago uh, after Dr. Turner, who went back to their visitor and got all the tapes, put them into storage, and eventually they moved from storage to an auction. That is also why Dr. Turner's house was burned down, because they thought that the tapes were in his house, and they were going to, I guess, destroy uh, any evidence of what was going on. I don't know, that one was I was a little hazy on. I was like, did, did they want the tapes back? Did they not want the tapes back? Did they just want them gone? Like... I don't know, was it just like they're going to burn down his house so he'll tell them? I don't know, because he was in it. So, But essentially it was, yo, uh, the ball dog wanted them gone, and Dan surviving was kind of a mistake. Sorry, bro. Dan says Melody is alive, and they need to go and get out, her out. Virgil says it's impossible. It's not impossible to recreate everything and open the door and get back in there. It's impossible in Virgil's mind for anyone to survive in that place for very long because it's, as he says, very inhospitable to humans. He says no one could survive in there for any length of time. And Dan says, yo, your brother's in there too. Then he shows him the rest of the tape. 
And Dan says, we can save them both. And Bridget's like, look, fuck that guy. All right, he sucked. He got himself trapped in there. He got what he deserved. Dan attacks Virgil, but Virgil pulls a gun on him. And Virgil apologizes, and he's like, look, I really do like you. But then Mark hits Virgil from behind, knocking him out. Dan heads down to the basement, and Mark follows him. Dan came there to get Melody out, and he's going to do that. He grabs one of the jars of blood, which, of course, is the blood of the witch that they needed. So that explains why there was an entire room full of blood jars. Dan says that the panels in the room on the basement are coronite panels, so they don't actually need the comet to be in place because they have what the comet is made out of on the walls, and that material is what opens the door, not actually the presence of the comet, just the presence of that material. They have the book, they've got the totem, they can open the door to the other world. Mark reminds them that in every ritual, it's ended in destruction. He also says, look, I ain't gonna let you slit my throat, bro. Dan tells him to go then, and says at least he will have a great story for his podcast. And while that does seem like a very dickish thing to say, Mark does call him out on it. He's like, look, I like you. I don't want you to die. I don't give a shit about my show. And fuck you for insinuating that I do. Mark's not going to leave him there. He's going to help. Mark then sees the basement for the first time. Uh, he says that Dan didn't prepare him for how weird it would be. As they're getting ready, Bobby, the groundskeeper, proceeds to hold a gun to Mark's head. She says that Virgil might not make it. Is that like a Martin Donovan's not signed on for next season kind of thing? Or is that just like a, eh, he's pretty fucked up. Dan says that Melody is trapped in the other world and he needs to help her. Bobby asks him why he would do it. She says the book should have been destroyed. And she says that they don't even have the key. Only the Baldug can open the door with the spell and the key. And both times, they didn't have the key, which is why everything went up in flames afterwards. Bobby said she was trying to use Virgil to get Melody out because she is Melody's mother. She thought about giving her up, uh, and that it would keep her safe. But she didn't know that Melody would come looking for her. Well, you know, you probably shouldn't have given your ring to her. That was mistake number one. She says she dreams of a Melody trapped in the other world. She doesn't have magic anymore because all the Baldog gave up her, their magic to trap Caligo in this other world. So, she needed Virgil to open the door for her, for her. Playing the videos apparently helps, which is why they're all on the walls playing. And Bobby says that Caligo will try to keep Dan there because he's, I guess, lonely? She gives Dan about five minutes to get in, get Melody, and get the fuck up out of there. She cuts her hand and gives the Caligo statue a bath in it. The door opens up, and Dan walks through. So, this is finally our for first look at this other world. And he's standing in the lobby of the archive with birds chirping. So, yeah. His watch slows down and then stops. How would Dan know he's got five minutes and when those five minutes are up? His watch isn't working anymore. He walks into another room, 
this time with someone sitting at the piano, and it's his sister. But of course we know it's really not. She did. Dan sits down, and she starts playing the cult theme song, but Dan stops her. Dr. Turner arrives and says he likes what she's playing, which of course is very different from the actual events that took place. His mother tells him that dinner's ready. Dr. Turner asks how Dan uh, Dan's walk was, and Dan asks about the fire, and his father's like, there's no fire, what are you talking about? Dan is here, and here is safe. Dan looks at each member of his family and says, and seems to want to stay, but then he starts to remember Melody, and he snaps out of it. And he bounces. Dr. Turner says Dan can have the life he's supposed to have. And then his face gets a little wonky, and Dan leaves. He turns a corner and he finds himself in a long hallway. He finds that each room is the same, all with open windows. Dan enters another door and it's the conference room to the viscer. He goes through another door and it's the church where Melody was left. He finds her sitting on a pew. She calls out to him and Melody says she can't go because she will be here soon. So this is how they've kept Melody, I guess, trapped in here, is the thought that her mother is on the way back. Which is, you know, pretty, a pretty good idea, and clearly it's been working. Dan tells her this is all a trick. Melody is happy that Dan came for her, and she thought that he might just be a dream. The whole place shakes, and uh, she takes his hand. Turns out, Caligo isn't very happy with this reunion. They haul ass back and uh, um, they haul ass back, but instead of being in the archive, they're in a room with a TV. On the TV is a camera feed of the compound, and Dan starts switching channels as Melody just sort of wanders off. She goes up to a window and can hear chanting from a vent. Then she stands up, and Caligo's in the in the doorway. She screams, and Dan goes running. They both haul ass again, and they find a door. Samuelin appears and grabs Melody, and he takes her through the door, which sends her back to present time by herself. I don't know why he wasn't with her, but he wasn't. And then the door closes with Dan still in the other world. Melody stands up and sees her mother, and Mark asks where Dan is. Melody says that Samuel grabbed her. So I was a little confused by this, because Samuel seemed to help her, which is completely out of character for him. And he grabbed her and walked through the door, and somehow that didn't also bring him back. Like, it just brought her back. It wasn't like he grabbed her and chucked her through it, and closed the door behind him or anything like that. No, nothing like that. Like, they both went through the door. So I don't know why he wasn't able to come back. So we got Dan trapped in the other world now. So here's the thing with the other world, right? Um, I like the idea of it sort of fucking with people and having like you turn a corner and it being a completely different room and things like that. But everything was too normal. Like the all the rooms and things like that were rooms we had seen before. And they've been kind of building up this other world to be... Like this, oh my gosh, it's so inhospitable. Like, I was expecting them to head in there and it to be like a hellscape. And instead it's just like, no, it's just kind of a weird mindfuckery. And 
Caligo's only part in this was to kind of hide in a doorway and like spook him and that was it so that felt a little underwhelming considering he's been pretty malevolent so far that his whole thing was just like hey what's up and then she freaks, freaks out and runs so that was a little underwhelming on that aspect of it and yeah I was like I said I mean we got one little thing where dad's Dan or Dan's dad's head sort of like jiggled around a little bit to kind of show hey this isn't real something's wrong but that was really it like I don't know I know there's a second season coming so maybe we'll get more of that now that Dan is trapped in the other world but yeah man I don't know but let's finish up the episode because Dan wakes up in a hospital bed and a nurse walks in and tells him that he's been out for 10 days. The nurse says that he hasn't had any visitors and she says he was luckier than the rest. And then she asks if he lived in the viscer. Apparently Dan is the only survivor of the fire that took out the viscer and he's back in 1994. Dan sees MTV News announcing the death of Kurt Cobain. He looks outside and sees the Twin Towers of New York as the season comes to a close. I like the reveal. Um, I'm still not sure on using the Twin Towers as a way to show that someone is in the past. Like, mm, I don't know. That one's a little weird to me. But... I mean, is it effective? Of course. Like, you see that and you're like, oh shit, it's before 2001. But also, like, I don't know, it feels a little cheap to kind of throw that out there for it being as big of a tragedy as it was. I think we got the point with them announcing the death of Kurt Cobain that we're not in the present. So, but again, like, it's like, alright, so now he's trapped in this other world where... He's like in a fictionalized 1984, which we already saw. That was like kind of the thing that they were using before, where it's like, oh, you can, you can be with your family. They're not burnt up. Look, they're good. But like now, it's like, okay, now we're just gonna straight fuck with you because I'm pissed off that you took away my eye candy. So I'm gonna stick you in 1984, which, while not the worst time for a black guy, not a great time either. So I'm gonna stick you in 1984. And I'm going to make it that you are the only survivor of the Visser. And we're going to, I guess, go from there. There was a lot that was sort of made up about him and Melody being able to kind of go through dimensions or go through time to interact with each other that never really came to fruition. Like, is she going to now be able to go back to 94? 94? Is him? Is he actually in 1994? Like, I don't think he is. I think he's still in the other world. So a lot of questions for season two. Um, we the first season was good. I, I liked a lot about it. Um, um, it. It makes me like really be excited for season two and what they can do. And considering what the podcast was able to do in their like um the first season was great and the second season i thought was really good it wasn't until the third season that it really kind of started to to fray for me but 
you know, TV's a different animal in and of itself. So yeah, I'm I'm curious what's going to happen. Obviously, we've got Mark, and now we've got Melody in uh, 2021, who are probably going to try to get Dan back. So there's at least that, and we've got her mother too that can help out. We're not sure if Virgil is okay or not. Uh, he's probably not going to be very happy that like they got Melody out and they left Samuel back there, but. Yeah, and we didn't get Iris either, which I was kind of expecting that she would play some kind of role, but they never showed her in the other world. So, uh, like I said, it was a good show. I enjoyed it a lot. It was it was a lot of fun to watch it. It was a lot of fun to cover it. Um, there was maybe a little bit of disappointment here and there, but all in all, I thought it was a really good good first season. So. We'll see what happens with the show from here on out and what they're going to do, but I feel like they can go a lot of different ways still with it. Uh, I just I kind of want to see more with the other world. And obviously Dan being there does give us that ability to focus on things over there and how like Caligo can fuck with them. But I was, I don't know, I was really hoping for kind of new landscapes or, or, or new um, settings and didn't really get that so we'll see what happens with season two i'll probably be covering it or i shouldn't say probably i will be covering it uh but that's going to do it for archive 81 for the first season so thank you again for listening and i will see you guys on the next one until then bye bye